Well, hello, everyone. Are you ready with your Bibles open? This is our Bible, you know, and it, every word is true. It's all that we need, and I hope you know that. So we are ready to start our lesson on Acts chapter 3, but I thought last week was such an intense chapter, and so I just want to highlight a little bit. Again, remember, this is Luke's writing to his friend Theophilus because he so wants him to understand Jesus. Jesus. And then, of course, he explained all the details of Jesus and his ministry in his Gospel of Luke. But now he is writing to show how the Gospel got to the world. And he used those 12 apostles. And they can't go in their own strength, of course. They don't have what it takes. And so... Uh, Last week we understand how how the Holy Spirit came and that is the third person of the Trinity coming to live with inside of people and what a change it can make in their lives. And so um, last week was quite an intense lesson on how the Holy Spirit came, how how he came with such power. And that should encourage us that the Lord never intended from the second of our salvation, he never intended for us to be able to live this kind of life that he expects on our own. We can't do it by ourselves. So he has given us this Holy Spirit. He's left his spirit behind to come into every one of us who will come to the cross and and he will this Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God, will enable us to do what we can't do for ourselves. And to me, this is such an important, important lesson that we know we can't possibly do it without him. So um, he came with power. And and the and Luke writes that his informant told him it was so powerful. It was like it was like a a wind, a violent wind. It was like a, a fire. And we we know that those were two great examples to kind of give us a picture of the power that came when the Holy Spirit did come. And then we saw how that he enabled them to do, like I said, what they couldn't do for themselves. And that was all the nations that had come together for this Feast of Pentecost. All of a sudden, the 12 apostles are able to talk in every language. And so everyone could hear. And, you know, Peter was is such a great example of what the Holy Spirit can do in each and every one of us. It enabled, he enabled Peter to be able to um, not only have the boldness he needed to speak with such, with such um, commitment and with such fervor and with such um, confidence. And then he also helped Peter recall what he needed to know to be able to explain. And so we see him recalling the, the prophet Joel and how, he's, how Joel said that, that, um, that the Holy Spirit would come on, and this was hundreds of years prior, but that the Holy Spirit would come on all people, would come on sons and daughters, and they would be able to prophesy. And remember we talked that prophesy is 
having an inspiration, having a story that we know, and to be able to tell our story, and then to be able to uh, talk about how Jesus will return someday, and, and be able to prophesy about the future that we know is true. Um, it is it's exciting. I, I found it very exciting. And then to think that that Joel even said, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And who calls on the name of the Lord. And we explained again that calling on the name of the Lord is when you humble yourself and you know that without him, you are nothing. I am nothing. But with him, how that changes everything everything. And then then um, uh, Peter went on to recall David and how David, even in his difficult times, he, he was able to say, I will not be shaken. And my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices and my body will live in hope. And, and of course, David being the Israelites' hero, they were listening to how David said, I didn't even, I, I'm not even going to see this, but I believe the promise. And that is that, that Jesus is going to come from my line. The Savior is going to come from my line. And then when Peter really kind of cut to the chase in verse 36, he said, let all Israel, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. You know, Peter was also given the courage to be able to kind of pin them down and have them have them recall what they did to Jesus. And when he said that, that Jesus was the crucified one, that he was the Lord, he was Christ, and they had put him on that cross, the people heard, they heard, and they were cut to the heart, it said. They were convicted. And they said, what should we do? And this has always been and always will be the answer. What can we do in our, in our worthless state, in our, in our state that we can't possibly earn it or, or buy it? Or what can we do about our lostness, if that's even a word? What can we do? And Peter very confidently said, repent. Repent and be baptized. Be covered with the blood of Jesus. Let the blood of Jesus just cover every part of you so that you will have the forgiveness of your sins. And you will, he said, you will then receive the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit is a gift to you. It's a promise to you. And he said, I'm warning you, I am pleading with you to take a look at your life, to know that today is the day of salvation. And he said, save yourself from this corrupt generation. And, and again, you can't help but see that we are living in such a corrupt world and a corrupt generation. And the only way that we could be saved from going down that road ourselves is following the road to the cross and then living a life filled with his spirit. 
And they devoted themselves, the people that were saved, 3,000 were saved from that message of Peter. They were, they were cut to the heart. They were convicted. And they came to the cross, and they were saved. And then they devoted themselves. And again, this, this chapter 2, I think, is such a full circle. You come to the cross, you're filled with the Spirit, and then it's not over. You devote yourself to, to good biblical teaching. You, you every day, you, you get into God's Word, and you kind of get together with, with God's people in His Word through the figures that it, the real people like Luke and Theophilus and Peter and, and the other 11 apostles kind of get together with them and get to know their stories that their story can become your story and they had their hearts were glad and their hearts were sincere and they enjoyed this kind of camaraderie. There was no division. There was no complaining. There was no self-centeredness. What, what a great time that was. And because of this testimony and this kind of example, onlookers, onlookers would look at these people and say, I want what they have. And the Lord added to their number daily. And I remember saying to you, wouldn't it be so wonderful if, if that people could say that they have come to Christ because of our own example, because of our testimony. And this is what we're called to do. Acts 2 wasn't just for the apostles. Acts 2 is you get your story and you learn how to live it out. And then we move on now to chapter 3. And one day, it says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. So there was a specific time that, that they still followed Jewish traditions and they went to the temple to pray at 3 o'clock. And, and it's something to think about. And I asked you in the questions, why is it so beneficial to schedule personal time with the Lord? You know, it is, it is good to schedule an appointment with him. And if we don't, a lot of times our days just go. And before you know at the end of the day, and we haven't had that time with him. And that's why it's so important. I think the apostles knew they needed to have that um, specific fill time, that they had to fill themselves up and make sure that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, that self did, didn't sneak in in some shape or form. And, and we need that too every day because we live in a world where we keep rubbing elbows with this world but can't help it. And before you know it, we're starting to feel that maybe doubt or despair or, or hopelessness or worry or panic or fear or whatever. And we need that time where we get where we get refilled and refortified. And at that time now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. And I, I did a little checking on that, and the gate was called Beautiful because it was 70 feet. It was 70 feet high, and it was made out of Corinthian brass, and it had two great 
big doors and it really was a beautiful sight to see and so it it was called the gate beautiful and it was there at the temple and again that too was very 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 much the right place for this beggar this this lame man to go it's this where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And, and there, he's, he's probably figuring he's got to get his sustenance for the day. And he goes to the temple, and he is begging. And, and when people come to the temple to pray and to get their lives right and get refortified, he is assuming, and rightly so, that they're generous and they will want to share and, and give to those less fortunate. And so he was there. He had someone help them, help him to get there every day. And he was expecting nothing more. This was a day like any other day. And he just needed someone to get him to the temple gate but he had no idea, did he, that this was going to be an extraordinary, life-changing day. And he then, it says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. Now, Whoever was telling Luke this must have really wanted these details to be said. And, and if you put yourself in this position, you probably have had it where you've seen, you've stopped at a red light and there's been someone at the corner. Or if you've been in Chicago and there's beggars along the way. And, and uh, it's just so uncomfortable. It's awkward to look at them in the face. I think you kind of, um, you know, look in another direction maybe, and, and maybe they too, they're, they're just as uncomfortable because it said that Peter had him look at them as well, this eye-to-eye -eye contact. And the Bible says there that so the man gave them his attention. This was Peter's uh, main focus. He wanted to look at him straight in the face, and he wanted this man to look at them just one-on-one. -on -one. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And that's pretty obvious. Remember, he has no idea and he he just is is expecting i mean he will comply he'll look at them they're looking at him and and he's expecting some money and then peter says these words silver or gold i do not have but what i have i give you now this man has intelligence this man might be lame but he does have his faculties and he is a human being and he knows what he needs to survive the day and when peter said that silver or gold i do not have he had to have somehow been disappointed or 
what is this all about? I mean, I'm here to get money. But Peter said, what I do have, I will give you. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this man had no idea the power of this name, the name of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit now working in Peter is going to magnify that name of Jesus and in the power of Almighty God, Peter has the confidence to say, get up. He said, this man, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Just, just that simple. Walk. And then Peter took the man's hand taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. The man had to have, had a feeling that instantly he was able to get on those two feet that had never walked before and never had weight on them before. Instantly he felt his feet and ankles become strong and he jumped he jumped to his feet and began to walk then he went with them into the courts walking and jumping and praising God wouldn't you just love to have been there wouldn't you love to watch this man who came expecting a little few pennies or whatever and then to have Peter say, and in the name, the powerful name of Jesus, walk. And to instantly feel that strength come. And he gets up jumping and he, he clings to them. He, he holds them. He wants to stay close to them. And, and I couldn't help but see that he, he, had a, he followed a, a Format. He there was a pattern of what he did. This is this is what this man did when he heard the words of Peter. He chose to believe them. Sometimes when we're told by there's some words in scripture or something, and it seems like oh this has got to be too good to be true, or this possibly could, but we forget that. God's got a perfect plan and he's got a perfect timing and right now he's going to use Peter and John to be able to show the people that are watching the power of Jesus' name. And so the man chose to believe it even though rationally or common sense wise. And again, I always seem to quote this, but it's true that if we trust the Lord with all of our heart and we don't lean to our own understanding, because if he would if he would have stayed in his own understanding, in his own common logic, he wouldn't have got up because he's never walked before and this is this is just not reasonable. But he chose to believe the words. The words that God had given Peter, the faith that Peter had, and he believed, and then he obeyed. Now, now Peter helped, and I asked in your questions, 
do sometimes do sometimes need need someone to help you up when you've when you've gotten into a, a place of you're just discouraged and you're just down isn't it beautiful how the lord will bring someone in and you will need them to help you get up but really does that person really have the power to lift you up maybe physically they have the strength to kind of help you up but emotionally spiritually mentally the only one that can heal us is God when whatever state we're in we're thankful that maybe someone comes along by our side but the ultimate healer of our soul our heart our mind is the Lord himself and he chose to believe this and he obeyed and by his obedience which is always the case obedience reaps blessing he watched himself be healed and then he praised he praised God and he stayed close he wanted to know more he wanted to discover more answers to his questions I think that that format that this is the way when we are presented with God's word when we are presented with an act of faith are we going to believe it are we going to are we going to obey are we going to then praise are we going to stay close to his word So it says, when all people, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as that same man who, was, who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. See, this was the whole point. The whole point of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the way he was being manifested through Peter, it was to, to get the people to, it was to get their attention, to get them to believe, to get them to see the power of Jesus' name, to wake them up. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what, had happened to this man who they had seen the same way every day for years now while the beggar held on to peter and john didn't did just smile at that can't you just see me so grateful he wants to be a part of their ministry he's just holding on and and he's just probably jumping and running and and praising the lord and so excited I wonder, when was the last time you were that excited about Jesus and how he healed you? Because, you know, we're going to talk about healing a little bit. You know, there's always a lot of questions about um, divine healing and that. And But, you know, without getting into so many details, and I could, I could do a whole lesson on on. Uh, the, the original sin and our personal sins and 
And what James says in James chapter 5 about calling the elders and anointing with oil, and that's just, I could just go on and on about that. But the bottom line is healing. As much as we love our physical healing, as much as we love our, our bodies to be in such great health, the Bible doesn't say that we are all guaranteed perfect health all the time. And if, if physical, if healing, the way James 5 talks about, if healing is just physical, then no one would die. If everybody called their elders and they anointed with oil and it was all about physical healing, then no one would ever die. And we know that's not the case. So we have to look deeper into this. And I think, you know, I don't like to get complicated and, and I won't because I think that when it comes to Jesus and salvation and what the cross did for you and me, it doesn't have to be complicated. And even on this subject of healing, what, what do you need an ultimate healing from? Like I said, we always want to be physically healthy and our bodies well. But what is even greater? What is a greater healing that we can be guaranteed of that we know it's absolutely God's will? We don't know if it's God's will to heal us physically. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. But one kind of healing we can know for sure is that he wants to heal you and I from our sins. And if we are willing to be like this man, if we're willing to listen and believe the plan of salvation, and then we choose to believe it, and we follow the terms that that God set up, that we come to the cross, and again, like, like like Peter said, you need to repent and be baptized covered with his blood for the forgiveness of your sins. To me, that is the ultimate healing. That is the healing that will heal us forever. That should be the healing that you and I want the most. Because that is what changes our eternity destination. And Peter knew that. He knew that this physical healing was going to get a crowd, if you don't mind me saying it. Peter knows that, that they were told that they were first to go to Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts. And right now, after the coming of the Holy Spirit, they are in Jerusalem, and the people that totally did not get it because they chose not to want to get it, crucified the Messiah that came to save them. And so obviously they were not understanding and were not believing. And so Peter says, I better start right here. I better start right smack here in Jerusalem. Now we saw him last week and now we see him this week. And he just stands up and he said to the men of Israel, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? 
these are all the people, how astonished they were, and they were they all came running, and news was traveling, and people were all coming to Solomon's colonnade, which is Solomon's porch. Was is it was also a place where women could go, where Gentiles could go, a place where Jesus preached from so much. Again, not coincidence. And now Peter sees they're all coming to this place and he addresses them, men of Israel. Why should this even surprise you? Now, when he says, why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we, have, we had made this man walk? Why do you stare at us? As if we had some magical power in these fingers. The God of Abraham. See, now he's really getting into their language. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. The God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. Powerful couple of verses there. Because they, they would understand that almighty God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, the same God, the same God glorified his servant Jesus to be able to come and save the lost. And Peter's, Peter is pretty much saying, and that's you. That's you. Because watch him say the word you. Watch. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate. And though he had decided to let him go. Oh, he, he helped them recall. Remember when Pilate washed his hands and said, I can't find any fault? No, you just shouted, crucify him. Oh, and then he goes on and says, maybe, maybe you're going to miss this detail, but I will remind you. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you instead. You killed the author of life. It seemed like that three-letter word, that personal pronoun, that just came right out. How many times Peter, with all confidence, said, you, you, you. When you hear the gospel, when you hear the story over and over again, do you ever think about that it was for you? That it was that that what Jesus did was for you because you were lost. You need a savior. You might have been raised in the church, and you have you have you're quite intelligent when it comes to having the answers to stories. And but if you ever made that walk or, or have you ever made the gospel of Jesus yours I, I just had to throw that in there because each one of us and that's why Peter look, looked at them and you you did that you did that to him but then look how in verse 15 you you killed the author of life but 
God raised him from the dead. It's not lost. He raised him. God raised Jesus from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And he probably looked at the other 11 and they were all nodding. Yes, we saw it. We saw it with our own eyes. We heard him speak. We even ate with him. By faith in the name of Jesus. Again, that word faith is fundamental and you have to know what your personal faith is. What do you believe without having to see? Are you convinced that this Bible is God's word and every word is true and it's all that you need? Do you really believe that? Remember I told you about Billy Graham? He had that period in his life where he's looked at his Bible and he said, how do I know? How do I know that this is true? That this is the inspired word of God? Maybe you've asked that question yourself. How do you know? Billy Graham, he had to come to grips with it and he just finally said, I believe it by faith. By faith, I believe this is true. It's kind of this, like the same thing. How do you know that there really was a cross? And I know we read that they saw with their own eyes and everything. But how do you know that that cross really, when Jesus died and he shed his blood, how do you know that that was enough, that, the, that God the Father would say that that was enough to cover your sins? How do you know? See, it's your faith. I believe it by faith. Even though I wasn't there, I didn't actually see it. And I know for me personally, I know that it's true by just looking at the changes he has made in my life. To know what I was, what I feared, what my priorities were. And now I watch, I watch that change, completely change. And I pray you can say the same. And then it says that by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name. But I, I, I got to say, I mean, it would have been really tempting for a human being to be able to take some credit for this because, wow, this was something and all accolades could be all heaped on him. And people could have really thought, and boy, Peter nipped that right away. Any true apostle, you don't take credit for any of this because in and of ourselves, we can't do it. Paul was the same way. What did he call himself? The least, the least of all. When you know what Jesus has done for you, you see yourself for what you really are, and there's no way you can take credit for the workings of God's Spirit through you. It is Jesus' name, the name above all names, that has given this complete healing, complete healing. I love that. Okay, we did see him. He had his, his feet healed and he could now jump and walk and all that. But complete healing. When your soul is healed, when your heart is healed, 
And the Holy Spirit now takes residence in your heart. And it is no longer you that's living. It's Christ himself living in you. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance. Now, it was really gracious, and, and that's, that's very much the way we are to handle people with grace. As we have been handled with grace, amazing grace, we are to handle others with grace. And this was really, really gracious of Peter to say, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But that doesn't mean that Peter is letting them off the hook. Because what have you ever heard about ignorance? Ignorance is no excuse. I mean, Jesus had, had, had a, a ministry for three years he wasn't talking to people who had never heard, but ignored. So I want to make sure you know that the word ignorance here isn't, well, couldn't help it. No, the root word of ignorance is ignore. They ignored the truth. So you go to Romans 1. I kind of put these in my Bible now and then, just to little references, because in Romans 1, Paul really makes sure that we know that there is no one that has a right to say, well, I have this excuse. Romans 1, chapter 1, verse 20 Paul says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. There you have it. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets in other words, Paul says, all the prophets, all the prophets talked about this, and you ignored them. And who were the prophets? Well, I just, I'm just going to name them to you. Old Testament prophets. There were four major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Those were major prophets. Not that they were more important, but that their books were longer. There were 12 minor prophets, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. And the reason why I named him is so that you know, there, there just was, wasn't one or two that maybe someone would have missed. These, these prophets, these, this number of prophets, in numerous ways, and numerous times, all living at different times, at least most of them living at different times, so there's no excuse. So Old Testament prophets, and then Jesus for three years. But these prophets, they foretold saying that this Christ would suffer. 
And then Peter, I mean, he is using this opportunity. And I really appreciate that, and I hope you do too, is that, you know, the Lord gives us opportunities. And a lot of times we just want to ignore them. Because our self is so, is, oh, I don't know what to say, or wonder if they reject what I've got to say, or, or I don't want to look odd, or I don't want to be too spiritual. Oh, you can't, we all have got these, these excuses. Well, we just read and heard about what God thinks of excuses. So, again, Peter is making the most of this opportunity here. One man was healed, but you think about the, the throng of people that Peter is just making sure that they hear this. Like last week, he just, you are the ones, you lived here, you saw them. Because you ignored them, you crucified them. And then Peter says, repent. It's not too late. Repent. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. So repent, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ. This is the message of the Old Testament prophets, and yet Peter is using that and said, you, you know those words. This is what they meant. Repent. The Savior is coming and your sins can be wiped out. And then this is part of the bonus. Uh, there's so many bonuses when you come to Christ, even though that's the hardest steps to take. You know why confession and repentance is, you know, why it's the first steps of salvation and why a lot of people can't even get past that because no one likes to admit that they need to confess and repent. But it's the first step. You have to take that. But one of the perks when you finally when you finally are willing to do that it's that times of refreshing may come from the Lord when you know that you have done right when you know that your sins are washed away when you know that the Holy Spirit now lives within within you that conversion does not does just mean a turning over a new leaf. Conversion means that you are a new creation. You are a new creation. Conversion does not mean, well, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. That's why conversion only needs to happen once. You are converted. You're a new creation. Now, do you need to refill with God's spirit? Do you need to get back on the right track after you've gone off? Of course we do. But conversion means it's no longer I. A new life in Christ has begun. That's refreshing. 
refreshing because what has he done with the old self basically even though unfortunately we still see that old self come rise into the forefront more than I want to admit but but according to Jesus what has he done with your old self well Paul said it perfectly I've been crucified with Christ we have been crucified with Jesus on the cross our self is crucified he has covered us for for all eternity, from all that we have been, all that we are, and all that we will be. Jesus did pay it all. And because he did, we are a new creation. And that should be so refreshing. That should be such a relief. <sighs> I don't, I, I will not have to stand in front of Jesus someday and be judged for my sins because they're gone. They're under the blood. How refreshing is that? He must remain. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through the holy prophets. So, it's kind of a two-fold prophecy here. You know, Peter is talking about when the Old Testament prophecy was, the prophets were prophesying about the coming of the Savior, and he had to stay in heaven till just at the right time. But pretty much, we're doing the same thing. We too know that, that Jesus, he ascended back into heaven and he's going to stay there until the Father says it's time to come back. And now we wait for that. We wait knowing that that prophecy is true. And as the Old Testament prophecy was filled with Jesus coming the first time, we too wait for the prophecy of Jesus to come back the second time. That too to me is refreshing. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people and you must listen to everything he tells you. And that that was true. That That was so true back then and the same is true now. That's why when you read this, you can still put yourself in that scripture because every one of us, like we said last week, every one of us comes to the cross the same way. The cross is what unifies all races, all cultures, all nations, all everything, social status. Everyone comes the same. Because every one of us needs Jesus. And you must listen. You must listen to everything he tells you. Now, okay, back then they had to listen through the prophets. Now we have God's word. We have his Holy Spirit taking these words on the page and, and cre creating that new life in us. But then the stern warning, anyone, anyone... There's no favorites. There's no one that's going to slide in there by the skin of their teeth. Or there isn't anyone that, that's just going to kind of sneak in. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. 
you know, cut off from from the people of Israel, or would you want to say you can be cut off from the family of God? You will not be a part of it. You'll be cut off from being a part of his family. So, indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. And he's pretty much saying, don't ignore it again. You might not get another chance. And that's another warning for us today. It's so clear in Acts 1, 2, and now 3. You can't put this off. You can't assume anything. You've got to take a look at yourself. You do not want to be cut off. You don't want to ignore this message thinking, well, you know, and you hear it all the time. Well, I'll do that later because, you know, I want to have some fun now. Then I'll get down to business. Oh, that's so dangerous. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. I mean, he, he is saying to them, you're, you're God's special people. You, Jesus came from that line, from your line. And when you went astray, the prophets tried to get you back on, on track. You didn't even believe them when they said that you, the, you, the, you were going to go into captivity. So he said, do you realize your place, your heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers? He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be, be blessed. There again, we put this back into our, our generation. Our, don't we realize that we too can be heirs the cross makes us a part of his family. We are his children. And through our offspring, if we continue this, all peoples, more peoples on earth will be blessed. But if no one is saying anything, that's why Peter is just really pounding. Don't ignore him again. We've got to get this gospel to the world. But the same thing, don't you hear it? We've just been, we've just kind of been too lax. I don't think that we realize that the gospel comes through us. Our people going to know. Can you tell the difference that you're a new creation? Or are you the same as you always were? You're not going to change if you're just playing church. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. So yes, Peter is talking to Israel and the gospel did come first to the Israelites. We know that. 
And we will see later in the chapters why when the Israelites didn't listen, God rose up an Israelite, an Apostle Paul, to be able to be a light, a, a gospel giver to the Gentiles. Why? Because each and every one of us needs to be turned around. How many of you sung, turn your eyes upon Jesus? You got to turn because we're not going in the right direction on our own. It's only when we're cut to the heart, we're convicted with the story of the gospel, and then we realize our need for a Savior. And then you turn and become a new creation because we've been given the powerful Holy Spirit to be able to do in and through us what we can't do for ourselves. Save us and turn us from our old ways, from our old self. And that should be something we want. In the questions, I did ask, what must happen to you first before you could be used by God to help others? And it's very simple, and I hope you did think about it. But before you could possibly be a testimony, you got to have your own story. This is why he said when God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. You and I must first have the experience ourselves before we could possibly share it. You can take someone only as far as what you are. You can't take someone, someone, you can't take someone ahead of you. You can only take them as far as you are. I was asked one time um, how, because so often when I sang, I had so many children. It was the day when I would call children up and I could have 50 to 100 at, at one concert and these little children, they knew what I'd be doing, so they were, they'd bring their parents early, and they'd be sitting in the front rows, and it was just absolutely adorable. But someone asked me one time, did you ever feel this enormous responsibility? How do you, how do you tell them? How do you, how do you keep your life right with the Lord? And I said, well, actually, it works both ways. Yes, I see the responsibility. What keeps me in God's word, what keeps me growing, is that I look at their little faces who are believing me and trusting me. I can't take them farther. I can't convince them of something I don't know is true. And I hope that you see this. Boy, you saw it. You saw it in Peter and John and these apostles. You, they're new creations and they're confident of their message. And they know that Jesus has changed their life. And because of that, they can't wait to go into the world and share that. And this is what Luke wants Theophilus to catch. This kind of excitement. This kind of love for Jesus that you just... You just want this. You want people to know what you know. Great chapter. Heavenly Father, again, thank you for the truth to bring it right home, even though, yes, Peter was talking to the Israelites, but it is so direct to us today. The principles of your word are the same. They don't change, and we do have a responsibility. Others are watching us. 
Maybe for some, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a fa other family member or a child or a grandchild or neighbor or friend. They're watching us. We wear the name Christian on our back, but do we live in a way that people want what we have? I guess we better look to make sure we have it. If we can see ourselves the way we used to be and we see a new creation, oh, what a perk of salvation. We, the old is gone, hallelujah. You know, even though we see little glimpses of it now and then, we know we can get rid of it through Jesus' name. Father, thank you for this lesson. We give you all the glory. Oh, we just thank you. We love you today because we know our state of hadn't been for a savior. But we have one. And it's because of his amazing grace. We were once lost, but now we're found. We were blind, but now, oh, do we see 2020. That we can sing with Fanny Crosby, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And oh, what a foretaste of glory divine because I was willing to perfectly submit. All is at rest because I and my Savior now are, we're happy and we're blessed because now we're watching and we're waiting. That's what Fanny said. I'm watching and I'm waiting and I'm looking above. I'm filled with his goodness and I'm lost in his love. That's the story. Father, may we may we be so excited about our story that we're praising our Savior all the day long. We pray this in his name, the name above all names, the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.